Hey everyone. Welcome to What's NXT. We're back. <laughs> what? You're just talking about how you you're like, oh man, I sound like I scripted everything. And then you did hey everyone. And there was like a two-second pause. Yeah, I'm gonna cut that out. Okay, okay, oh. I'll redo it. Shit. Fuck Come on, you. man. Let's get organic with it. I'm sorry, I'm being an asshole. <laughs> That's what everybody wants to get. They go to the grocery store, they buy their organic podcast. I don't know what got into me. I'm just, I'm super into the idea of podcasting. But to me, for some reason, that manifests as just being a shithead the entire time. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to What's NXT. Back for another month. Oh, man. We're so off after a month of not doing this. No, I'm good. This I'm, is, is going to be a real goofy episode, guys. No, I don't think so. Okay. Oh, I'm Alec Basio. Oh, shit, yeah, I'm Tristan Marsh. <laughs> yeah, this isn't going to be goofy at all. Yeah. So we've been gone for a while. How you been doing? I've been doing pretty good. I've been watching some NXT, been watching some wrestling. Just other wrestling. Yeah, some other wrestling. You know, it's not... I guess I could name it, but I mean, why bother? It's an NXT podcast. I've been watching NJPW. Totally dropped off of everything else. It's just gone for me. I mean, I listen to other wrestling podcasts so that I can figure out what's going on on those other shows, but that's it. I watch uh, some of the uh, some of the clips, some of the YouTube clips. There's some people that we love that we, we don't get to see anymore. How else am I going to see Almas? Almas is gone. He's he's uh, beaten up on uh, on jobbers, and he's throwing the fist in the air, and Zelina Vega is saying shit about the fans. It's great. You watch like a five-minute video of that, and you go, great. I'm glad he's doing well. As long as I don't have to watch any of that shit where like he talks to the camera and like shit flies all over the screen. They're like Snapchat filters or whatever. No Way Jose's doing all right. He had a pretty fun match with uh, Baron Corbin, actually. I didn't know if he would really get over like that, but I guess I'm. I guess I guess he is. It was really smart to put him in a match with Baron Corbin, somebody who he has experience wrestling at NXT with. Kind of also rehabilitated Baron Corbin because it was like a fun match. That's good. Yeah, because I mean Baron Corbin is fairly boring. As a wrestler, No Way Jose is fairly exciting as a character. But I think Baron Corbin as an old lady is pretty, he's pretty exciting. They keep trying to make him scary, and I don't think he works as scary. I think he works as annoying, presumptuous metal nerd. He wears a lot of shit that other people might find scary, but if you get to know him, you're like, oh, that guy's a fucking asshole, but... From the main roster, we also have uh, Ember Moon. She got a real shitty shirt. She got that Neville treatment. That shirt was super whack. I didn't realize how whack, but you showed it to me. I feel like she should maybe quit wrestling now and go wrestle for some other company because they are not doing her any favors with that shirt. Does she have to wear that shirt now? I'd rather wear fake dumb arm pads that flop up all over the place during my intro and dumb capes than that shirt. This shirt looks like a fucking poorly localized Dreamcast 
JRPG loading screen. Skies of Arcadia. I feel like that's like <laughs> one of those Dreamcast arts. Yeah, I think that was one of them. I think it was about pirates in space or pirates in the air. I love when they know they have somebody that they should capitalize on, but... They just don't really know how to do it because she doesn't fit in their dumb, dumb definitions. They didn't know how to do it with Neville. They don't know how to do it with Ember Moon. They kind of don't know how to do it with Pete Dunne. They have a shirt for Pete Dunne in their shop that looks... It's like a weirdly rasterized JPEG, and then it just says Pete Dunne Bruiserweight. It's like, that's not good. Uh, Luckily, he knows how to market himself pretty well, so... You can't pass up t-shirt money. And you know... That with somebody as over as Ember Moon is, just get the shirt out. Fuck it. Just yeah. get the shirt out. I mean, there's got to be someone who bought that, like, Dreamcast logo shit. <laughs> so there's, there's someone wearing it probably right now. Probably listening to this podcast. Yeah, well, I actually even thought of Dark Souls, which I've been playing a lot of recently, and I think everybody has because it's a really popular game. features a big circular eclipse-looking thing in the logo. That basically looked exactly like what was going on. And then it has basically the same, like, serifed font and, like, bloom on the font. Yeah, everything's pretty similar. And I kind of expected to see, like, I thought maybe it was, like, a tongue-in-cheek, you know, Dark Souls thing until I saw the bat. Like, it's just that. It would be fun if it was, like, you died or, like, (laughs) there was, like, a little, like, she was there with, like, a glowing thing of Gatorade. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, but it was, like, glowing orange energy drink you don't know what it was yeah that would be fun or if she had like a knight's helmet or a sword or just like uh uh three incomprehensible hyper dense paragraphs of lore and then that's like a one-off thing that some guy just wrote there for no reason and now like six games later they have to keep referring to it because the fans like it so much they're a bunch of idiots online fucking mark fucking dark souls marks Triple H has to actually, like, fucking show up and be like, listen, guys, I just put it in there for fun, okay? You can have fun in video games still. Listen, guys, I just put Ember Moon on the main roster for fun, okay? You're overthinking it. She doesn't open anything. She doesn't do anything. You can't upgrade her. It's just there. And unfortunately, I'm a little nervous that might be what's going on. (laughs) It's weird how much has happened in NXT over the past month i'm like nothing's happened nothing has happened everywhere else it seems i know what's going on and i think the last time i watched it was fucking aj styles and shinsuke nakamura are still kicking each other in the balls for christ's sake yeah they had the same match like six times in a row right i mean i gotta say i find it funny but yeah (laughs) like it's 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 a humorous thing to do but i don't know if it's the best wrestling. There's probably a lot of cool memes that showed up out of them running at each other and kicking each other in the ball. Oh, there definitely time. are. I yeah, I haven't seen that many, but I'm sure that there are some really good ones. That image of uh them both kicking each other in the junk at the same time and over one of them is like uh um uh you know, it says uh uh me saying I uh, want to destroy capitalism and over uh, Shinsuke Nakamura it says uh, me drunk at 4am ordering McDonald's it's like yeah man that's funny 
Yeah, I can see it. I can see it funny. Okay, so it has been a month. Yeah, so let's talk about NXT. A ton of shit has been happening. Let's just fucking go down the line and talk about the divisions. I love that, because I love divisions. You love keeping people apart. Of course. I'm a jerk. Alec, Alec is a big proponent of uh, wrestling apartheid. <laughs> well, not necessarily wrestling apartheid. <laughs> But that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the tag team division has been fucking bonkers. Who the fuck knows what's going on with the tag team division? Yeah, it's been pretty crazy, but it's been I, I've been finding a lot of fun with tags that they've had. I've been really digging the idea that we can have fun, entertaining and dynamic tag interactions. But yeah. There's very little in the way of structure. Before we go anywhere, Sabatelli and Moss. They're finally over. It looks like it. Moss took his pug dogs. I'm sure that he's going to be running to EC3's arms any day now. I'm still not convinced. I feel like you can't end the tag team like that with so little fanfare and without a huge explosive confrontation. Oh, I'm sure that there's going to be a huge explosive confrontation Oh, this is just the writing on the wall then, yeah. It's definitely over. They're just like, we have so much other better shit to do right now. We have to push Tino as a singles competitor. We only just got EC3. Although I will tell you, I like Tino's crowd interaction. I love when he gets mad at them for chanting Tino sucks. And I love that he always has some shitty comeback for them. I learned so much about NXT guy this month. NXT guy hates... Tino. Yeah. He fucking hates Tino. But... Tino's been there a long time. He's got a lot of bad blood with a lot of people. Not to get ahead of ourselves. Right. NXT guy got horny on Maine this month. Because during an interaction between Ricochet and Velveteen Dream... Oh, yeah. Velveteen Dream is doing the classic... He'll move. He's kind of building up his competitor before calling him a sack of shit, right? Yeah. And at one point, he says, you even make this look good. And in the background, NXT guy, louder than I've ever seen him yell anything, which is saying something, yells, no, Velveteen, you make this look good. You make this look good. NXT guy loves Velveteen Dream. <laughs> You saw his reaction to him coming down the steps. Oh yeah, ramp. he was doing the double hands, like yeah. waving his hands like a a, a antebellum I mean, granted, plantation that's girl. A lot of people's reactions to Velveteen Dream right now, but NXT guy loves Velveteen Dream. <laughs> I think that's awesome. They're definitely going to be pushing Tino singles soon. I think so. Yeah, I hope they push Moss too because he's a real fucking shithead. Moss is a fucking goof, and I love him. I, I really like him. I forget if it was Trent Beretta or if it was Chuck Taylor who was like, who's this Shia LaBeouf-looking motherfucker, <laughs> and why do I want to punch him so bad? <laughs> you know, every tag team, or at least a lot of tag teams, usually it comes down to the charismatic one and the big one. You got um, Big Cass and Enzo on the main roster now. You've got... Drew and Dolph Ziggler 
You've got mm. the Street Profits, right? Right. Usually, I don't think of Riddick Moss as the one that's really good at being an actor so much. But when Tino left him in the ring to eat the pin, he was just crestfallen. <laughs> he was I think he, blown I think away. He's a great actor. Yeah, I think he's actually really good. <laughs> I loved his. I always loved his entrances when they would come out, and he always looked like he was like really unsure. It's like there's never that kind of expression on like a big guy's face in a tag team ever. Really, I always thought it was really interesting. I th- I like Riddick Moss. I kind of hope they push him as well. I hope so too. There are a lot of people that think that they're just gonna put him backstage and wait for some new guy to job him out to. I hope that that isn't the case because he's very entertaining. Heavy Machinery versus the War Raiders. That was a kind of big ongoing feud. The Braid on Tucker opened my eyes and made me realize Tucker Knight is a wizard. Otis Dozovich is a homunculus. He's like a golem. I just like the idea that they both ride around in a van with a wizard and a homunculus painted on it. I mean, we already have sanity is gone, so we need we need the D&D players. players back. I really want to see Otis Dozovich dressed up like a turtle. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. I also made sure that when we were talking about heavy machinery, I would send you this photo and ask you to describe what you're seeing. It's a picture of a thumb with a unitard on. Yeah, this is Otis Dozovich. A sophomore in high school. As a young man. Jeez. You know what? He looked like a badass back then. He looked kind of mean. He doesn't look like that now. He looks like a crazy lizard person. It also shows you how much that beard is covering. The only neck that his neck would be jealous of is Kurt Angle's neck. Yeah, he's got a big-ass neck. He's almost completely spherical. So, Otis Dozovich, he was born this way. He's been like this his whole life. I imagine this guy coming out to do collegiate wrestling and doing that weird lizard tongue thing that current Otis Dozovich does. I mean, that's part of, that's how he smells the air, so that he knows when prey is around. What did you think about heavy machinery getting squashed by the war raiders i think that's fine because you have to build up the war raiders because they're so huge and like whoa you know whoa it's it's the war raiders it's those guys that you used to cheer for on that other brand that we can't talk about on japan when you guys watch that you then now they're here don't worry guys we're gonna give them good we're going to do good with them. Look, they're beating heavy machinery. Whoa, everybody's doing the horns. This is great. But then like in another couple of months, they'll just be like on the tag roster and then heavy machinery can win. But like for now, they can't. I was a little disappointed by some of heavy machinery's booking recently. They are living piles of muscle. And then they would lose to someone and I would be like, I don't believe it. Yeah. They're too big. How could they lose to Street Profits or whatever? Guys that big can't lose. Not to fucking Montez Ford. What the hell? But I do think that this kind of puts them back probably where they were meant to be, which is like 
in the middle of the pack for the tag team. And yeah, they've already started cutting promos where they're talking about, oh, we've got to train even harder. We've got to like work even harder. We're going to work back up to the top of the tag division and then we'll show the War Raiders who's actually boss. And I'm like, oh, then that makes sense. Right after they lost, I was like, no, my babies. How can you do this? But I think it's going to continue to work. Oh, it better fucking continue to work. I loved the line that they used on the War Raiders. They're going to raid all the buffets and take all the steaks, raid all the gyms and take all the weights. They're, they're going a little tweener now. They're saying that they're going to not rewrap their weights. Wow, that's really hard to no, say. Re-rack they're still going to rewrack. Their I mean, weights. come on. They're still going to rewrack. They're not monsters. Well, Dozovich. He's a good monster, though. He's like a yeah, Sasquatch. He's a, he's a happy lizard. They're not the only tag team that's kind of fallen from grace. And that now those two tag teams, Heavy Machinery and TM61, are going to butt heads. I'm really digging the new direction of TM61. I actually really, the minute they showed up and I heard that fucking Japan as hell theme song, I was <laughs> like, I like these guys. These guys are going to be a lot of fun. Now they cheat. But at the same time, they're like, yeah, but we're still like good time buddies. Like everything's good time with us. And like, it's not really that big of a deal that we cheated. I mean, come on. It's not even really cheating, right? I mean, like nobody noticed it. So what the hell? Heavy Machinery walks up to them in one of the back hallways of the performance center. And they're like, oh, that's TM61. We can't trust those guys. They cheat now. And Nick Miller is like, Hey, anything to win, right? He doesn't respond to it like, how dare you say that we cheat? He's like, yeah, yeah he, dude. He's not even like that. He's like, hey, guys, come on. I mean, at the end of the day, what matters? It's winning, right? Like, we just won, and a win is a win. So, like, I love that. I think that's great because they're going to just act like faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're literally booking them like every smart says that they would act if they were in wrestling. If you don't get in trouble for cheating, why doesn't everybody cheat? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've been reading these economics books. <laughs> oh, God, no, because now they're going to become like weird libertarians. Yeah, they're going to like use game theory all the time. <laughs> they're going to go from high flyers to like steady readers. Just going to sit at desks and read off things to their opponents. They get punched. And one of them goes like, excuse me, sir, you just violated the non-aggression principle. This this match is <laughs> over. It's definitely a good way to turn them, uh, turn them heel. Nobody will cheer them for that. Smiling heels are always the best, right? Yeah, they really are. I mean, for fuck's sake, we're going to close out this section with uh, Undisputed Era. And they're the fucking smiliest heels of them all. Yeah. They're having a yeah. great time. <laughs> one little thing to point out. This interaction ends with them making a match for next week. And Otis Dozovich says, Anytime, any place, how about next week? Which isn't really any time, is it? Yeah, no, I actually feel like, I almost feel like he says, Well, how about we go next week, anywhere, anytime? And I was like, what? You just said next week. I, I, I remember also picking on him as well. I know exactly. What any place, any time is a phrase that you say when you're going to make a match for later on in that episode. Well, let's talk about who 
TM61 sheet to beat. Oh shit. That's that's you like that rhyme? Yeah, that was good. I wanted to use that Congratulations. shit in there. Yeah. I was working on it. You know, a month goes by and I kind of think a little bit and you know, about 30 minutes before we recorded, I had been working on something for this for a while. I was like, cheat and beat both rhyme. So literally, you just opened a thesaurus. <laughs> like, No, uh, if I had opened a thesaurus, I might have found it a little sooner. Skeet. Elite. Beat. Pete. Pete to cheat. Excellent. Got it in one. But they cheat to be the Street Profits. Well, they don't really know which Earth they're on. They don't really know, like, how far to take the comedies. And I think that they're just trying to find a balance because you need to have some of it because, let's face it, they are really, really good at it. Part of that imbalance was they kept trying to make Angelo Dawkins be the same kind of character as Montez Ford. That doesn't really work. Like, in some of their pre-taped promos, like, he would throw the mic to Angelo Dawkins, and Angelo Dawkins would suddenly be like, Oh, yeah, and, um, uh, this is great. And you were like, ooh, maybe not. After they lose to TM61, they cut a promo in a basketball court where Angelo Dawkins is, like, fucking, I don't know, running wind sprints or something. Montez Ford is as fun and charismatic as he always is. But then everything that Angela Dawkins is doing is just running by the camera and being like, yo, what up? And then it ends with him running into a chain link fence so fast that it bends. I like that. I like that they got really hype over it, too, even though I'm pretty sure anybody could run into a chain link fence and make it bend. This is a good use of... Angelo Dawkins. Angelo Dawkins doesn't need to be Montez Ford. You already have Montez Ford. He should be... It's like what I was mentioning before. You got the charismatic flippy guy. Angelo Dawkins should be the big stupid guy who runs into people and breaks them because they hurt his fun friend. I think that that's how their matches are probably going to start working out now because Angelo Dawkins hasn't done his weird, like, stir-up fucking discus spinning, jumping, leaping, clothesline things in a while. And that was a really dumb looking move. He hasn't done the stir it up motion in a while, which is kind of too bad because I like that. I liked when they were just doing the stir it up. Pre, pre-match and stuff? I think that's great. I, I think they've got to get back to that a little bit. But I think, again, like I was saying, there's this, there's this small uncertainty where they're not sure how far to take the humor yeah. and how far to take the character stuff. I actually, I think Angelo Dawkins is a very good wrestler. Because I think he's got a lot. I think he sells pretty well. I think that you're very charitable to a lot of people. And I commend you for that. Do you? Yeah. You don't think he's that great, huh? If you split him from Montez Ford, you wouldn't be talking about Angelo Dawkins. Yeah, but I think Montez Ford is almost too goofy on his own. Montez Ford has an amazing frog splash he does fucking crazy backflips over people and shit and angelo dawkins uh wears too many headbands and runs into people full tilt i don't need angelo dawkins to be montez ford that's the only point that i was making i don't i don't need him to be a fucking 
blow-your-mind wrestler. I just need him to wear too many headbands and run into people full tilt. Like, I like that. I mean, you know, hopefully we see some more of that. Everybody's trying to get to the gold. Look at me. I'm being, like, such a fucking dick right now. Phony. Yeah, I'm a real phony. That's the theme. That's the theme of today, guys, is phonies. <laughs> Bring us into the, the closing part of this section, phony. Yeah, let's do that. I've turned into a real monster. Uh, Undisputed Era. They're the champions, guys. They're I was going to do a segue before, but we drew so much attention to it that I just figured I'd do a different one that sucks. Just do the same fucking transition. No, we could just keep that okay. one in so people Great. know how bad I am. Okay. Undisputed Era had a great six-man tag versus Donny Blorch and Pete Dunne, or as I have taken to calling them, Oni, Donny, and Dunny. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. Because in the match, you know, uh, uh, Pete Dunne holds up the three fingers. Yeah, only one time. And then everybody in the audience started chanting one, two, three. Yeah. Oni, Doni, and Dunny. That's the name for me. I was kind of thinking um, Pony Blurch. Oh, geez, you're just doubling down on the (laughs) smooshing their names together. Yeah. Pony Blurch is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I don't know, but I, I like Oni, Doni, and Dunny. <laughs> that was that was one of the best matches I've seen in a while, actually. That was a great fucking match. Pete Dunn has beef with Roderick Strong, obviously. But as we'll go into later, Oni Lorkin has beef with Adam Cole. Right. So it's great because... There's already storyline shit for them to deal with. You can see how it's going to forward into a bigger storyline for all of them coming up. But nothing is on the line in this match except for Pride, so you actually don't know how it's going to finish. If it was Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch versus Undisputed Era, you'd go, oh, they're losing. Like, they aren't getting the fucking belt. If you're doing Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole for some weird reason, well, Pete Dunne probably, like, he already has a belt. He's not gonna, you know. He can't fit two in his mouth yet. That's the only thing holding him back. This was so well constructed, even down to the interaction backstage between Donnie Blorch and Pete Dunne. The week before this match, Donnie Blorch confront Pete Dunne in the back hallway. And you can see that, you know, they all have beef with people in the Undisputed Era. So, like, the second they're in the frame together, you kind of know which direction it's going. And I was like, oh, man, I'm not ready for Pete Dunne to be nice to people yet, but nobody's nice to each other in this. Danny Birch is like, fuck you, I'm coming for the UK championship. Pete Dunne is like, why the fuck are you guys talking to me? In steps the mediator, Oni Lorkin, who says, now, now come on, F- forgive, forgive Danny Birch. Obviously he's going to hate you. Quote, I mean, you know you're a piece of garbage, right? To which we get a very good Pete Dunne shrug. 
Like, oh yeah, I guess so. You got oh, me. Oh, you know what? When you think about it, yeah, no, hard to argue with that. And then they literally go, but we all want to beat up people from Undisputed Era, so why don't we tag together? you know together? that if, yeah, right. I like the logic too, where it was just like, Oni Lorcan's like, I'm really angry with Adam Cole. But if I fight Adam Cole, those two assholes are going to show up. You're really angry with Roderick Strong. But if you fight Roderick Strong, those two assholes are going to show up. We're three dudes. They're three it's dudes. It's a fucking numbers game, baby. You got to go by the numbers. Oh, God. That was such a great interaction. And then we it get was. this fucking amazing match. The match's motivation just being like anger and frustration was super great because when Undisputed Era gets to do their shit, they just they just act like the whole match means nothing. They're having a good time. They're beating up on Danny Burch for just an hour straight. Roderick Strong steals Pete Dunne's arm stomp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he shows it to him, and he draws attention to it. And then just in case he didn't see it, he goes for it again and then fucks it up. <laughs> I love that that somehow makes Strong the bigger heel. Like, yeah, Pete Dunne will break your elbow, but it's always because he wants to win a match. Roderick Strong is doing it just to fuck with Pete Dunne. That makes him a bigger asshole. Yeah, because he doesn't give a shit about the match. And so it was really good. Uh, I think everybody looked really good in this. I mean, obviously Adam Cole is going to look great because they've actually started booking him strong now. He doesn't run away from shit anymore. Kyle O'Reilly is like the saint of pro wrestling. I love his little like threats to Danny Burch where he's like, yeah, you want to fight? I'll lay on the floor like a UFC guy and you can't do shit now. You know, we talk a lot about how we would watch Pete Dunne in the ring with almost anyone. That might go almost double for Kyle O'Reilly, but not as yeah. like written in the stars. He doesn't, you didn't, he doesn't jump to your mind right away like that. But, but he's just this weird him, little kinetic weirdo who, yeah, sometimes he spends like 10 minutes scooting around on his butt like a dog with worms, but you're like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah, it was really cool and interesting. And like, he always has like a really interesting approach to shit. And even though I was a little annoyed that they brought back the, uh, the sit on the floor acting cocky like a dum-dum, getting kicked in the head spot, uh-huh. like, I, I, didn't really like that they brought it back again i thought you know kyle o'reilly is always gonna tell some crazy stories with his body in in a wrestling match and it's just always a welcome sight i'm also very impressed with him i don't know how much of a you know asshole i am to like be like oh outside of the rig but he's a type one diabetic and it is hard as shit to live a lifestyle like that riding on the razor's edge most days (laughs) Yeah, that is an incredibly impressive career choice. I liked this match just on the basis of what the teams were to me because it's basically a team of three guys who don't really ever say anything, especially in the ring. They, like, let their wrestling do their talking for them. And then three guys who won't fucking shut up. They're yelling, you're a joke. They're yelling at Danny Birch, come on, number two, which I was like, that's such a great... That was good, yeah. If I just say number two rather than two, makes it sound like I'm calling you a poop. Reminded me a lot of those weird preview multi-man tag matches that New Japan Pro Wrestling does. Right, me too. They usually do it like the night before a a big pay-per-view. They'll take 
four singles guys from one faction, four singles guys from the other, and just throw them in a tag match. Nothing's on the line. Just throw them in the tag match, right? But right. it's great because you have these moments where the guys who are probably going to go up against each other in the future are in the ring together. Oh, my God. But then, you know, they're saved by one of the people on the outside. And so that builds your suspense. You go, next time Okada isn't going to be there to make the save. This is going to be so exciting tomorrow when this happens, you know? I know that you like to joke that Seth Rollins watches NJPW with a notepad to steal moves. But this right, really felt like the booker had just watched, like, Road to Dontaku or something. And was like, oh, yeah, we can... We can build a multi-man match. We don't have to have anything on the line to have it be special because you know that something's going to be on the line in the future. Yeah, It even got I, to the, the big ending where everybody does their finishing moves on each other. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It did seem a lot like an NJPW match in that point because it was like everybody did their move at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Where have okay. we seen that? Yeah, I just, I think I just watched that this weekend. Oni, Doni, and Dunny uh, have all three of them in submission moves. Where have yeah. we seen that? Yeah, they all did the finger break at the same time. Oh, loved that. That was, that was great. That was really cute. Um, but you know what? I, I have to say, it could just be because of the language barrier. It could be because of, I don't watch all NJPW stuff, but I think NXT did it better, actually, than the typical stable versus stable match. Because first off, these guys are not in a stable, but it kind of has like that kind of. It reminds me of the one stable that like is Jushin Thunder Liger's team, where you don't really know why they're hanging out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they don't really have anything in common. Um, but like Taguchi, Taguchi and, Japan. Yeah, like yeah, Taguchi Japan. It was like, so why are we all following around this like weirdo guy with the sunglasses? Like, why are we doing that? I don't know. Why is Juice Robinson and like fucking Tiger Mask on the same? Like, what? What? But it's fine. The idea is this was kind of like two of those. Not really. This was like one of those versus a really solid stable. Yeah, yeah. But because of the build, that was like a real storyline build that I could understand. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the language thing. Because the backstage segments and whatever, I really felt it was more effective to me. Yeah. And I really loved it. And I thought this is like a bright future ahead if we keep doing stuff like this. Also, it ends with Donny Blorch getting the pin on one of the tag champions, and they're now instantly at the top of the heap, which is so fucking crazy and cool. Danny Birch has only recently, by the way, been re-signed. He wasn't fully signed before, which is crazy. He wasn't. He was just showing up all the goddamn time. And and so that was probably what was keeping them back as a tag team. And Oni Lorkin, I thought, was getting sandbagged. Because we'll talk about this later. But, like, he basically got super dissed. And I was like, oh, this is it for him. Uh, but, no, he ended up looking like the strongest guy in this match. He came out completely fired up. Destroyed everybody. Uh, Danny Birch looks like a king because he he looks like a, a fucking tank. He does a fucking double blockbuster that was just fucking insane. His running speed is actually really crazy. I still remember when he broke a arrow at Tommy's nose and I was like, man, you run too fast. People don't know <laughs> that it's coming. And then Danny Birch looked like a fucking killer. Like he looked like he could stay in against a fucking great white shark for 45 minutes. 
because he took all the beating and still was kicking. Pete Dunne doesn't need to look any sort of way. Pete Dunne is probably one of the best wrestlers on the planet. Yeah, when the other team is stealing your move to show how vicious they can be, you kind of have already been put over as the insane one. (laughs) Pete Dunne hates hands. Yeah. What the fuck, guys? They're creepy when you think about them. They're like spiders. Pete Dunne versus Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman says, you can get these hands. And Pete Dunne goes, okay, I will. It's a hands versus hands match. Winner loses. Winner winner gets the other one's hands. Winner gets to use their hands for the next three months. Braun Strowman comes out the next week and, and full plaster casts over his hands. Yeah. He got my hands. He, <laughs> he got those hands. He got my hands. Damn it, he got those hands. And it takes on a totally different meaning. Women's division. Hey guys, did you know that only 50% of the world's population is men and the other 50% is actually women? Guess what? On NXT, there's women too. Whoa, who would have thought? Let's talk about women's wrestling. I'm just trying to, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to shove the fucking, I'm trying to shove this shit forward, okay? All right, all right. Let's talk really quickly about the women's division. I love that. Even though it has one of my favorite storylines on NXT right now, not a lot's been going on in the women's division, primarily because it got fucking gutted after WrestleMania. Yes. The loss of the Iconics, the loss of Ember Moon. And before that, we had Ruby Riot and the Riot yeah, Squad right. leave and, they and got all of really Absolution. Fast. Shit, yeah. Oh. DeVille, Sonya DeVille. She was actually kind of getting a push before she got yanked up. So it's crazy. We don't have a lot going on in the women's division right now, but NXT knows how to handle that. If anything, they know how to handle that better than having too much talent. And the stuff that we do have is kind of exciting. It's really good. Kyrie Sane versus Lacey Evans, which has been just an absolute peach to watch. Yeah, it's really fun to see it develop. I didn't notice this at the time while we were watching, but it's kind of interesting that they both did the exact same thing of squash some jobber and then get ran in on by the other. Was it was it two episodes in a row where that happened? I believe so, yes. Yeah, interesting. I really like that because it just draws a line under what is different between Kyrie Sane and Ember Moon. They're both... Happy good people, but Ember Moon doesn't strike first. She strikes back. Yeah. Kyrie Sane is like, eh, this bitch fucking started it. I'm going to kick her ass. I don't give a shit. Yeah. There's a certain level of, well, she's whimsical and kind of dresses like an anime character from a pirate show. But at the same time... I mean, she's still from Japan, and she's a Japanese wrestler, so she's got to be kind of at least a little bit of a badass jerk, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little bit, right? At least. So it is kind of fun to see her just run out and fucking spear someone out of nowhere, because she's just like, I hate you. The Japanese model does really take heel-face dynamics turning on a dime as a given. Look at how often they'll just randomly have a match where... Tanahashi, who is the ultimate face, will come out and yeah. start doing some heel shit, and you're like, oh, fuck. He's the face of the universe, but then all of a sudden he starts stomping on the back of some guy's head, and you're like, hmm, who? 
I guess. Boo for this match. But then afterwards he comes out and is like, sorry, I was just so distraught that I might lose my belt. And you're like, okay, we understand it. Don't do that again. While he's walking away, you still want him to come over and give you a hug so you could like lick him or something. Oh, he probably he's tastes magnetic. good. He's, I bet he tastes like fucking crazy. He's salty from all that sweat. He probably tastes like potato chips. I bet he's smooth like a pebble. He's very weird. There's something about him. He might be like the most charismatic wrestler on the planet. <laughs> I don't understand it. Anytime I see him, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's like, this guy's something else. Even with that dumb mom haircut he had a while ago. Oh, I loved the mom hair. I mean, his, his regular haircut's really dumb, too. Like, if I saw a guy wearing that haircut, I'd avoid him. But, I don't know, something about something about him is just great. That was my segue. I was going to talk about how Kyrie Sane changed her hair. Oh, I didn't even notice. Really? She, like, totally bleach-blonded it. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Lacey Evans got a new theme song, too. So, like, they're both getting a lot of development right now. Okay, so I need to, um, I don't know. Is this going to be about the women's right? You know me too well. <laughs> I knew it exactly. As soon as you were like, okay, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Women's right. <laughs> I was watching Lacey Evans squash some jobber. She was from Buffalo. Yeah, I, I think that she was in Impact. Apparently people like her. Oh, Nice. She's got a weird new name that's like Candy Alex or something. I don't know. Sure, right. It's just two first names back to back. A, she does a moonsault that everybody in the audience goes crazy for. This is Lacey Evans. But then picks up Candy Brandy or whatever. Yeah. And punches her and gets the pin. And they call her punch the women's right yeah um which is strange I, I could hear i was sitting in my apartment in queens and i could hear you from miles away down in brooklyn scribbling furiously <laughs> with your pen just <laughs> just i could hear you just get up sit back down just pick up that notepad okay so here's the thing lacey evans isn't racist anymore that's awesome Right. I like yeah, I like right. that. That's good. I kind of wish they would bring back a little bit of it, though. <laughs> Not the racism, but she used to have more of that weird MAGA like alt-right flair that I that I was kind of liking out of her heel. I was like, oh, that's a unique heel persona. And now she's sure. just become the woman who talks about class all the time. Maybe she cuts a promo about the Second Amendment and then uh, and then, you know, flexes and it's like, I always have my guns. Or, that's um, good. That's uh, good. you know, relocate Full Sail Studios to Jerusalem. You know, just something. Sure, that sounds fun. That's a, that's a topical joke. Something in line with her being a weird, uh, like, neoconservative. Um, or maybe she could say something about how, you know, it's time for a shakeup uh, in the regime because William Regal isn't telling us the truth about fluoride <laughs> or the fact <laughs> yeah, that yeah. the earth is actually hollow and flat. At the same time, for some reason, impossible. But, you know, I believe it, I They're guess. They're turning frogs gay. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but then she does the women's right. And the second they mentioned that it was called the women's right, I was like, 
oh, I really like that. But then... Oh, you liked it? But then I was like... Okay, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Well, the alt-right isn't really known for its feminist stance. It's like a weird juxtaposition. And then I was like, also, nowadays, the only time you hear the phrase women's right like we're not we're no longer fighting for it's suffering. about abortion it's about right? abortion it's about abortion yeah it has to be about abortion a women's right to choose so how long do you think it's going to take for moro Ranallo to start calling it the abortion <laughs> oh god oh well you know <laughs> i have to i mean come on we Some we should guys. be destigmatizing the, the choice of abortion. It is a woman's choice, and to demonize it is wrong. So maybe we should just call it, instead of the women's right, it's... Late-term abortion or something? That's real rough. I don't know. <laughs> it's touchy sub subject for people, like psychological or something. I don't know. I don't want to hurt somebody. We are not judging people for having an abortion. We're judging the WWE for... Probably going too quickly to a pun that they didn't realize was. I think they didn't think it through. Yeah, yeah. I think the minute you were writing about it, some guy on the writer's staff was writing about it and going, "This is a mistake." Women's right. Why hasn't anybody used this before? And then they asked somebody, "Hey, how come? Why do you think nobody used that before?" They asked a woman. Yeah, they asked a woman, and then she was like. <laughs> you know why? Because you're suggesting that this move is an abortion. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little that's a little rough. In a world where there was not really a huge sexism problem, that would be a fun pun and it would be enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The history of wrestling really takes a lot of the fun out of wrestling sometimes. Yeah. It just kind of made it turn into like a little bit of a joke. It's like, oh yeah, haha. -ha. Like for Christ's sake, remember when Velveteen Dream first started showing up and everybody was like, this guy's great. And then people were like, are they making fun of gay people again? And you're like, God damn it. I wish that we didn't make fun of gay people in the past so that we could have a fun character like Velveteen Dream show up and not have to like... And then we wouldn't have to just be like, oh, wait a second. I got to check it and make sure that it's not this thing that happened already but i do like that our finisher is a punch i like that they were building that punch for like a solid like four months i don't like that she did the punch after the moonsault i do oh yeah i think it's a real heel move yeah i guess so just to show off i think it's can. a real heel move i think that's old school i think friend of the podcast jim Cornette, who's not a friend Ooh, of the podcast yeah. and probably uh -uh. hates both of us uh and probably hates everybody but you know what? I listened to him. He's a cool guy. Whatever. Fine. He he probably uh he probably loved that. A cool guy? Yeah. He's, he wears like really stylish shoes. He's the definition of cool. He's fashionable and, and charming, I suppose. So should I do like a goofy voice this time no, no, to no. bring us to Candace or Oh, okay. Because, you know, I was noticing that, you know, so far we haven't been doing anything with goofy voices, so I just thought maybe Yeah, sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, uh, no, Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae, Candice Wrestling. Another big feature on the women's division that we've been following is 
Candice LeRae, who's had her breakout match with Selena Vega, and then has kind of steadily turned into a weird character that we have a lot of high hopes for. Yeah, that sums up her month, right? Yeah. That match with Selena Vega, almost definitely one of the best women's matches of the past month. Yeah, because there hasn't really been that much anyway, but yeah, it was a good match. I didn't like that it ended with Johnny Gargano stepping on her moment and calling out Alistair Black. Yeah, I didn't like that either. I also didn't like that Almas and Gargano got involved because it was silly and also a really bad way to end things between them, considering Almas was already going to SmackDown. So this is the last time they're ever going to interact on NXT. Only in this last week has Candice LeRae been used how I've been wanting her to be used. Yes. Up until this last week, it's been a lot of like, I'm almost about to cry, I'm very emotional, and I'm fragile kind of stuff, which is not the Candice LeRae I want, and is kind of fucked up. And it started even way back when she first showed up, and she was being called Miss Johnny Wrestling, and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, she's fucking Candice LeRae. Fuck off with that. Yeah. But... This last week, she got a one-on-one promo with Ciampa and slapped him in his fat fucking mouth. That was pretty good. This is this is actually using Candice LeRae to her fullest. Obviously, that's like a great way to use Candice, but like having her floundering around in an emotional state is not really resonating with me, so I really hope that's over soon. And it kind of spoiled the really good potential for her match versus Bianca Belair because they're both pretty fantastic and honestly Bianca Belair is on the come up like a lot she's gonna be great I'm really excited for her I love her whole gimmick of just being so fucking strong it's really great to see them do that really fucking strong woman thing because it's like you see it with the men unassisted deadlift of Candice LeRae into a fucking military press insane when a man does that you go like oh wow that's really cool when a woman does that you really freak out because you don't see it they don't show it to you when it when it's something that can happen they won't show it but even half the time when men do it the other wrestler is kind of giving them a little jump up yeah they have the hand down on on the shoulder Uh uh-uh she had candice LeRae from floor to sky all on her own and it was fucking crazy The fact that the thing that they're doubling down with her on is the hair whip to the point where they put whips in her music is crazy because if you cut off her hair tomorrow and just had her be like... The strongest woman on the planet. I'd I'd buy that. She's fucking She-Hulk. Yeah, she really is. She's like a five foot tall She-Hulk. Just spray paint her green and she's fucking She-Hulk all day long. And I loved that match aside from every five seconds i have to get reminded that johnny gargano's in the hospital and that's why candace is losing it kind of minimizes bianca belair a little bit and it also kind of plays off like oh well look candace array can't concentrate on the match even though that's basically what she's trained to do her entire life so i suppose she's actually a shitty wrestler right that never happened with roderick strong even though he was basically talking about his family and his manhood all day long that never happened. It happens a lot with Candice LeRae within two weeks. Weird. When somebody stepped to Roderick Strong's family, 
he fucking beat him up backstage. Candice LeRae, until this week, hasn't been getting that moment. Like, that's her character. Her character to me was always, oh, she's cool, unflappable, you know, positive, and a good wrestler. And like, that's will cool. punch the biggest guy in the room if she feels threatened. I, I liked that about her, and I was excited to see that here, and we're not seeing that, and I think it's very weird because it's kind of the antithesis of what I was expecting. Let's get to the main event of the women's division, which is something mouthwateringly good. And it's Dakota Kai being existentially afraid of Shayna Baszler. It's the hero's journey starring Dakota Kai. I really see it that way. I know that people are like, oh, well, don't play it out the way I want. Swerve me. Like, show me something weird. Uh, no, I want this to play out exactly the way I want it to pay off exactly how it's supposed to, which is her being victorious at the end. I hope it fucking takes two years. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I love this fucking, this fucking build that they're doing because it hinges on how good Dakota Kai is at just acting afraid of even thinking about Shayna Baszler. Reporters just mention Shayna's first name and her demeanor changes and she acts traumatized. They use traumatized a lot and I felt like, you know, usually it would probably veer into that territory of what we were talking about with Candice LeRae, but Shayna is so legitimately frightening <laughs> because they've made her look like a shark. Yeah, and it's only Shayna. It's not affecting her other matches. Dakota Kai can get out there and do it, you know? During one interaction, Vanessa Bourne walks up. I'm going to beat you up. And Dakota Kai instantly flips back on. One of the things she says is, I'm not afraid of you. Which was like very careful wording. She's not saying she's not afraid of anybody. But I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> like I'm not afraid of you. And she says it like six times. And at first I was like, oh, she's convincing herself. And I was like, no, she's actually just not afraid of her. Yeah, yeah. It's great. She really is like becoming a hero. And I love that. I love that it's, Basically, like, the classic thing. She's going through all the other women's wrestlers and, like, interacting with everyone else in the in the locker room to build herself up to that point where she could take on Shayna. There have been a number of really good little packages in this. There's been Shayna Baszler invading the locker room. She basically kicks open the door to the locker room, walks in, and... We actually see one of the Performance Center trainers and they're like walking through like, okay, today we're going to be working on, shut up. This is my locker room. I get to say what's up. She starts berating everybody and then notices Dakota Kai trying to slink out and fucking stands in front of her. You can leave if you go through me. And she's like, please, just, just let me go. I, I don't want to be here anymore. Really good, really scary. You know, fucking serial killer shit. It's good. This is this is a good way also to handle a bully storyline too. Because we've heard a lot of complaints about bully storylines with the Alexa Naya thing because it was all stupid. This is like legit bullying. Someone's beating the crap out of someone else and being a jerk about it. Yeah, and they don't no have reason. to fucking call Dakota Kai fat. It's amazing. You can do it. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to, like, fake something dumb. You can just be legitimately gross and a bully. 
and that's your character and you buy into it. I also really liked the next week they had that response package where it was six women from the women's division responding to Shayna. Like it's got Nikki Cross, who we'll talk about in a little bit, but she's just like, ah, I'm going to fucking kill this woman. Great. Aaliyah comes out trash talking, which I was like, oh, I might watch what mm. you're saying, Aaliyah. Okay. Didn't you, weren't you one of the people who got demolished by Shayna? One of the lines she uses is, I wish I had a famous best friend I could ride the coattails of, which is like. Right. I remember that. Oh, you're a Oof. dead woman walking, man. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Kyrie Sane finishes it by saying, I know her weakness, but I'm keeping it to myself and like looks at the camera and giggles. <laughs> Fucking A, Kyrie Sane. <laughs> you're cool. Yeah, that was really good. You're cool as shit. Dakota Kai being completely assured of herself, except for Shayna Baszler. It shows like the kind of effect something like this could have on you. And it's a really great like storyline to get us behind her. Her crowd reaction has been so huge that it's it's really crazy. During her match with Vanessa Bourne, when she comes out, people are cheering her like never before. She's their hero now. Everybody wants her to succeed and do great. It used to be just that kid with the uh, Dakota Kai as Misty from Pokemon poster, and now everybody's fucking behind her. Everyone's behind her, but they all liked her before. You know, she's babyface. She's nice. She's doing the little poppy stuff. She's doing a little like weird pose thing all the time. But the thing is, you know, now everybody's getting behind her because her personality is coming out. And oh shit, she's actually a really good actor. And that fucking elbow stop was like the biggest thing that ever happened to her career ever. Saving Ember from Shayna briefly. They keep hinting, they've done a really good job of hinting that like, hey guys, this person that's in the mid card right now, she's fucking destined for the top of the, the bill. Yeah, it's so interesting because it's like, you're not thinking that, and then all of a sudden something like that will happen and you're like, oh shit, she's going to be the new Amber Moon. She's going like, to be gigantic. She's going to be the super. She's going to be the new fucking Bailey, and hopefully she has a better transition to the main roster whenever that happens. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, my God. Oof. I don't like the way that sounds, but yeah, no. Every single time she's in the ring with anybody else, everybody's cheering her. You know, Vanessa Bourne has a great moment where she actually gets Dakota Kai down on the ground, and people kind of boo. And then she yells cheer for me and everybody boo even harder they're like no fuck you dakota kai is the one vanessa Bourne shows up and she's still got a little bit of weird she's still finding her legs uh because she shows up in a ridiculous red bustier looking thing with uh you know little baby's tutu on it that she rips off and i thought that was very weird but i have to tell you her character work is super solid and on point she's developing a lot and i think they just need to get her a really good costume and she's actually just gonna jet up the ranks because i loved a bunch of stuff she interacted with nxt guy in a very you know you know flippant way she was like 
fuck you. And then she she had like a lot of nasty crowd interactions, which I like. She shot off a lot of nasty looks. I you know me, I'm all about the facials, and she was really Don't call them that, you fucking That's weirdo. what wrestlers call them. That is not what wrestlers call them. Uh-huh. That's what weird people on Squared Circle call them. No, it's what wrestlers call them. They call it that on Killing the Town. Okay, okay. And those guys are supposed to be the best, right? So anyhow, I like Yeah, Don Callis would definitely not fucking call it facials as a joke. Oh, no, he wouldn't. Of course not. He doesn't joke around. She has whatever you call them. She's great at it. And I loved the cheer for me shit. That was really good because I love crowd interaction. And I think ever since EC3 and Adam Cole have started coming around, we've seen a lot of that coming to the forefront in NXT. I think people are really starting to see how effective that is. I love to see that happening. And I like that Vanessa Bourne kind of saw that and jumped on it. In WWE particularly, they build on character more than they build on anything else. And so if you can show a strong character, you've got a good future. Last time we talked... You probably would say, oh, Vanessa Bourne, I hope things work out with her. Yeah. And now, I'm not going to say that she's like a star, but just in the couple of interactions with Dakota Kai, finally having a character, and that character is a classic character, which is heel who always loses and yet thinks that other people should be afraid of them great character just with that little amount of other stuff oh she's definitely got a nice home in a mid card like i could see her winning once in a blue moon and then being overly cocky about it and then losing to some people who need to be built up a little like she's gonna be fine importantly this is really important she's charismatic and like intelligent in her presentation enough that she's going to have a lot of backstage segments, which is what, again, that really drives a lot of like whether or not you're going to have a good career. That fucking weird fairy princess tutu that she's wearing. What the hell was that? Apparently she had a match that afterwards they cut because they were worried that she went a bit too sexy dominatrix. And I think that they made her this ring gear and we're like, well, we don't want to throw it out. Like, we spent money on it. Can we make it less sexual? If it's turned up to (laughs) 11, instead of making new ring gear that turns it down a little bit, let's just throw a kid's costume on it. Make it weird, you know? It's not sexy, it's weird. Put a construction worker helmet on her. Oh, God. Vanessa born as one of the uh, village people. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Or she could just, like, take on a whole new persona when she has it on. And she's like, I'm hard hat. What? <laughs> yeah, she gets, like, a whole new persona. Vanessa Bourne, you have game. gigantic hair. How did you get it all under that helmet? Because I'm hard hat. Vanessa yeah. Bourne. Who's Vanessa Bourne? I'm hard Vanessa Bourne is dead. <laughs> Hard hat is alive. I don't know, whatever. We should also talk about Nikki Cross because after Alec involuntarily started clapping because I mentioned Nikki Cross. She's great. After the match with Vanessa Bourne, Dakota Kai goes backstage. Shayna has just come out and frightened 
uh, Dakota Kai during an interview. Nikki Cross is in the Adam Cole Memorial lighting rig set. She has crawled up to the top of it and is cackling at her like the fucking Cheshire cat. I love that she's like functionally up a tree. It's really fun. And then the next week, Dakota Kai is cutting a promo. Yeah, she's out on the loading docks getting interviewed by the iPhone squad. Like always, she's super competent until somebody's like, and what are you going to do about Shayna? And she's like, why did you mention that name? (laughs) Shut up. And then all of a sudden, we get invaded by Nikki Cross. She comes out with her phone now, though. That's what's so fun about it. (laughs) She's, She's just, she's playing into it so much. I love this. I also I always wondered which wrestler was gonna do that first because it's just so funny that their their idea of a press conference is just a bunch of hands holding iPhones in front of somebody's face. Uh, I think that that actually is how most scrums are nowadays. From I guess what so. my girlfriend, who's a filmed. journalist, says. Yeah. yeah, she's filming with this, which I thought was a lot of fun. Dakota Kai doesn't get scared like she is of Shayna Baszler, but she's definitely weirded out. By Nikki. She gets some advice from Nikki, who says, Dakota, with fear comes opportunity. Face your fear and fight. Thanks once again, Batman. You've given us some some great advice. I fucking can't wait to see what becomes of that interaction. I don't, I know. I'm not sure. Are they going to fight or are they going to like tag or are we going to get Rocky style training montages with Nikki training Dakota guy? Oh my God. What are we going to get? I'm really excited. Nikki Cross on a bicycle. Yeah. (laughs) Nikki Cross stuffing her face with baguettes while Dakota Kai punches me. (laughs) I don't know if that happened in Rocky. I know he punches me, but I don't. I mean, like, I just assumed Nikki Cross eating the entire time would be hilarious. Finally, we've got the men's division. And first up is the finest, Kona Reeves. Kona Reeves, the finest. I'm really excited with Kona Reeves. I really like him a lot. That fucking blows me away. I love the idea that it is a guy whose gimmick is I am the finest, and he is noticeably not handsome. He is noticeably not wearing really good fashion. He is noticeably not doing high spots and crazy wrestling shit. He's just wailing on people. He's just, he's really, he's really got the character down. I love that he's a cackling maniac. I love that he's basically a bull in a china shop who has no finesse whatsoever and just smashes through everybody. I really enjoy that he's over the top yelling and screaming. And most of all, I like that he's basically unlikable. You would never want to see this person. You can't root really for Kona Reeves. Like, I don't root I for him. I definitely cannot out, root for Kona Reeves. And I Reeves. want him to lose. I want to see him lose. I feel like he's like a Kevin Owens or something that you really don't ever want to root for, which is really the perfect deal. Blasphemy. He's Kevin like Owens Kevin, face, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is a face, Oh, though. yeah, I know. I know. We both believe him. Kona Reeves is like the the heel, I would say. 
because he's he's unlikable and he doesn't seem like he could win. And then he wins and you're like, fuck. We've got Moss and Sabatelli and EC3. Too many fancy boys. Too many fancy boys for me. Yeah. Find something else not a to be. Fancy boy. I don't feel he is. I feel he's a delusional psychopath. I loved him handing the jacket and he's like, don't scuff my jacket. And then he turns around and starts flailing his arms wildly and destroying people. It's just like he's a he's a fucking crazy person. He's like a wild animal. In his pre-taped bits, he looks like a weird Tim and Eric bit. Yes. I, I was attracted to that as well. And all he does is just yell the finest constantly while people tell him he sucks. Yes. And he licks his teeth in slow motion. Also, that, that's another thing that we have too much right now. We're starting to, to get to critical mass of people just yelling their gimmick. we got to rein that in. That's true. But I think that he stopped doing that. His second match against Raul Mendoza, he did not yell the finest over and over again. Also, that fucking happened. And we just had EC3 demolish Raul Mendoza. And they they told they told us that that match was happening. And I was like... Oh, I'm sad for Raul Mendoza. I'm not, and you know I'm a huge Raul fanboy. I actually really like Raul Mendoza a lot. He's so I'm good. I'm really happy he's on TV. I don't give a shit if he's losing. I just want him to be on the show more because he's really good. And did you see how much he's able to get over now? Oh yeah, people people really like him. He never used to be able. To, he never used to be able to do that. His skill is like really good, and even his intro now is getting reactions. So I think. I, I honestly think it's good for him. Cassius Ono has this weird little click that he's building backstage where he's like, we're going to be the guys that everybody loves, but that never win. We can't yeah. win for the life of us, but everybody is going to fucking go on the internet and be like, that guy's one of the best workers there is, brother. You got you to gotta understand that. Do you remember my big complaint with, about regarding Raul Mendoza was back when Bononi was getting some sort of weird big push. And I was like, where the fuck is Raul Mendoza? Why are we seeing Cesar Bononi every week? Now, I'm not wondering where Cesar Bononi is. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, whatever. It's like Raul Mendoza's here. And I'm, I'm happy he's showing up, even if he's going to lose every time. You aren't still wondering what's on his butt? Well, that is true, actually. Hold on. I do want to get, like, a really good Google image search going so I can just really zoom in on that. But I'm cool if I don't find out for a while. Not as behind Kona Reeves as you seem to be. I'm really But I will say, they said something, commentary said something, that instantly made me think of a gimmick for him that he could be doing right now. That would instantly make me like him. Here's the gimmick. Okay. Commentary mentions that last time he had a suit jacket. But this time, he's got a fur-lined jacket. And last time, he had one chain, but now he has two. Yeah, that was Percy who brought that I up. want his gimmick to be that he's overcompensating because people don't like him. Every week he comes out with a more enhanced wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So literally by the end, he should come out in a crown wearing two fur coats at the same time and enough chains <laughs> and rings to shame Mr. T. And people still boo him and he's like... Cigars in between each of his fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a guy pouring 
cavassier over his head like <laughs> admit that finest. i'm the finest no go away <laughs> <laughs> i would like that that would be fun that would be fun and i'd be happy with that as long as once he takes all that shit off he is an ungraceful brute <laughs> of a monster that just destroys everything and is not fun to watch because i loved that kona reeves has a lanky but built body and that means that there's these weird gaps like between his bicep and his elbow or between his pecs and the bottom of his rib cage where there's just these no man's land where nothing is happening yeah and you can't do conventional workouts i think when you have a body like that because you're not hitting on everybody else those muscles cover more real estate but on you, your body is so long, you probably have extra muscles you got to work out or something. Like, you probably have, like, eight ab muscles or something. I don't know. But you end up looking a little weird. I mean, to be fair, it's probably why Chris Hero never got lean and mean like everybody wanted him to be for good reason. Like, he's also oh, that... because yeah, he's huge as He's well. that he height like where that if he actually fucking and... cut weight, he would look like a stick figure drawing it's ethan carter the third ec3 they're probably never going to call him ethan carter the third i don't know if they're ever going to bring up anything that dixie carter could be linked to oh yeah that's true (laughs) ethan um christopher the third right that's what they'll call him now that's what the c is but he's got a a great momentary gimmick where he's talking about making nxt nx3 yeah, and people are already chanting at him as he comes out. Nx three, Nx three. He's really over. He is so over. He's as we mentioned before, fucking up Raúl Mendoza, and um, I think that that's the only match he's had. Everything else has just been promos where he's sitting by a pool talking about how amazing he is, and. I could watch that for at least another six months. He's no ricochet. He's not like a fucking, whoa, he's unlike anyone else in the ring. Whoa. But he's a good wrestler. He's a fantastic character. And he also has such a great look. I mean, he looks like a douchebag, soft, bouncy. He looks like a soft, bouncy, incredibly cut muscle man. (laughs) Like his muscles are so soft looking you know they what have saying? they have that like creatine bloat <laughs> yeah like he's got like you can tell that he's so strong cool. but the size of his muscles have been inflated somehow i feel like he's aware of the look that he's cultivating and he's just like i work hard i work out hard but i still look not like a fucking wrestler who works out all the time who's got like giant shoulders and like a big beefy like i gotta pick you up over my head he just he looks like he could and he looks like he enters like amateur bodybuilding competitions because he's got nothing else to do but like lift weights all day. It would be in character for him to just work out his glamour muscles. With his level of crowd interaction, like he could he could do whatever they need him to do. Not in the last takeover, they teased character. a feud with Adam Cole. And I think somebody rightfully was like, we don't need to pull the trigger on that just yet. No, that could come whenever they want. We can just have him fucking drinking fucking screwdrivers by the side of a bar pool on top of a building and uh, call it a day. 
and that's fine. Have a mess up Raul Mendoza. That's cool. Mendoza needs the exposure. Yeah. Speaking of Ricochet, though, holy shit. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not, like, huge with indies, and maybe it's because his character in Lucha Underground typically didn't really talk that much, but I did not realize Ricochet was a very good promo. Yeah, he's the other guy that was trying to work his catchphrase in a bit too often, but he was really fun on the mic. He was giving a babyface kind of speech, but he was doing it as his as himself. So he was saying things like, oh, you might call me cocky. I mean, maybe that's true, but uh, I know I'm the only guy that does it like this. That's actually really cool. And I think that that's, you know, a cool way to do it. Instead of we have other baby faces who are like justice and like, this is what's right. And, you know, we've had my family, my manhood. They gave him a little bit of that in his first promo that he cut, where he was talking about how he just had a kid. I also felt like that was stepping on Nigel's thunder because then Moro was like, oh, also Nigel isn't here because he just had a kid. But I like the method, basically. They're, they're giving him a little pride, and I like that a lot. I think that that's cool. I think he's really getting over a lot. I liked his little quip that was the last week that we saw where the, he was saying, there's only one thing on my mind, and somebody was trying to troll him and say, socks, because he wasn't wearing socks. He was, Yeah, he was wearing loafers without socks, and the audience fucking hated it. All through that promo, you can hear people giving him shit about his socks. Yeah, and then he was like, nah, I'm not thinking about socks. I'm thinking about the championship. And everybody was like, yay! And I thought that was fun. I think, you know, things like that are Being really fast on your feet in that situation is good. I also liked that uh, he then went on Twitter and said, it's called fashion, look it up. So uh, we have yet another fancy boy, apparently. Yeah, but he's a, he's a face fancy yeah, yeah, yeah. boy. The big, big difference. Big difference. Yeah, we, we need one of those. Who should interrupt uh, but another fashionable man? Uh, perhaps the most fashionable man? Velveteen Dream comes out to interrupt that promo. Holy shit, he's over. We talked about this before. NXT guy we got super horny. Oh my god. He's so good. I like that Ricochet was able to kind of toe-to-toe with him a little bit on the promo. Because that is not what I expected at all out of Ricochet. Yeah, you expect him to be Prince Puma. To not say anything and people talk shit and then he fucking does a 450 onto him to talk back. Yeah, and I've heard people even say, like, oh, whatever, yeah, he could do all that shit, but his promos aren't that great. So I wasn't expecting this, but I actually really was pleased with it. I thought it was great. And I thought he played off of Dream really well. Dream played off of him really well. Yeah, I mean, but Dream is going to play off of anybody really well. Dream was able to make that Aleister Black feud entertaining, and Aleister Black, that was back when he had no character. No matter how you flip or flop, you better land in the very back of the line behind the dream. That was really good. Velveteen Dream also has maybe one of my favorite lines ever in this, which is uh, Ricochet says that he's here to steal the show and he's here to steal the spotlight. And Velveteen Dream says, steal my show, steal my spotlight. Steal my show and my spotlight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that Velveteen Dream was like, well, rule of threes, but he didn't mention a third one, so I'll just say both of them again. Yeah, and it worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everybody liked it a lot. Um, 
it was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, following that up the next week, we got our match, which I was so disappointed was going to happen because I was like, oh, my God, they're giving away a fucking takeover match. I was texting you while I was watching it. I was like, this is outrageous. They're putting it on regular show? This is insane. This is probably only going to be 10 minutes. What the fuck? <laughs> I had the same reaction because during the promo, I was like, you know, Champa, that's a big storyline. This might be the feud to watch. This is like already a killer feud. And then they were like, we're putting it to bed next week. I was like, oh, no, what the fuck, Yeah, man? we're going to find out who's number one contender in time for TakeOver. No, no, wait. <laughs> and what we saw, we got a really good match. Yeah, it was it was really fun. They were pulling out all the stops right to start with, and it was really good. High octane, really fun. Ricochet obviously can't not look good, but Ricochet looks yet really again. Anything. Oh, my God. You know, you put Dream in there with somebody, and he looks great, too. The reason this feud works is because they brought back something that every Velveteen Dream feud needs, and that is sexual tension, baby. There's a lot of very confused looks between Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. No matter how good Cassius Ono is, we weren't getting these vibes with Cassius Ono. To make a Velveteen Dream feud really work, you've got to wonder, does he want to beat him up or fuck him? Because right. that is the golden spot. <laughs> and Ricochet returning the pelvic rotation oh, yeah. <laughs> was a lot of fun and put me firmly in camp Ricochet belongs on NXT. <laughs> Before the match can be concluded, Lars Sullivan just runs the fuck in and beats the shit out of both. You know something is going to happen because they start making very weird camera choices and the audience starts booing. And you're like, what? This is still a good match. Why would they boo this? And I, and I knew, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Somebody's going to break this up. Who's going to break this up and be my hero? Well, guess what? It was my fucking hero who did it. Killian Dane is no longer on the uh, on the show, so he has to fuck up something. Yeah, well, guess what? He can fuck this up, and it was awesome. I think that they realized Lars Sullivan knows how to get himself over too good, so you have to be very specific about what you have him do, and yeah. they've only been having him do shit that would make the audience hate him, like breaking up this fucking amazing match that's happening. Yeah, and doing stuff like having him deliver promos, but only for, like, pay-per-views and only talking about, like, I'm going to win kind of stuff and not so much my opponent should be on the cover of a men's fitness magazine is, is way better. Or how better many books because, he reads. Yeah, it's way better because this way you're not looking at him like, oh, my God, he's so entertaining and fun. You're looking at him like, oh, he's coming to win. Yeah. And then when you see him, everybody's booing and you're like, yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> and he spits on people. And his cross face is a fucking disgusting, stupid move. And I'm also really happy about what we're getting next, which is uh, Velveteen Dream and Ricochet versus Lars Sullivan okay. in a handicap match. I need to talk about this. Yeah. It's going to be Ricochet and Dream versus Lars Sullivan. Can't get better than that. That's amazing. I know. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for him to flip them both over his head at once. Oh, my God. Freak accident? One in each arm? You do the opposite. Lars Sullivan is down in the middle of the ring. 
and you have an elbow from one corner and a 450 from the other. Oh my god. Either one is going to be pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. Ooh. Or you could probably do both. Let me just say, I'm going to get a little Alex Jonesy here. Uh-oh. NXT is lying to you. <gasps> they staged an what? interaction between Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. And I know it was staged staged because it starts out with Ricochet knocking on Daddy Regal's office door. How can he do that? Daddy Regal doesn't have an office door. He has a beaded curtain. We all know that. That's right. Also, that that sign was really atrocious. The sign on the door was like, Mr. Regal's office? (laughs) That is the stupidest way to write, like, you can't put, like, Chairman William Regal, or whatever his position is, Commissioner William Regal, or Re- William Regal, and just put it there. It needs to say Mr. Regal's office? What is this, a Dr. Seuss book or something? Like, Sesame Street? Let me ask what you a hell? question, Alec. Yeah. Do we ever see inside that office door? No. The door opens, but the camera follows the door back so you never see inside is regal even behind that door what i'm asking is is that a closet because that's a fucking closet yeah yeah it's a closet that's a fucking closet nxt is lying to you if they lie about that what else are they lying to us about oh my god do you think adam cole might actually be tall i think adam cole's head might be small Oh my fucking, that's impossible. It's called forced perspective. (laughs) Mirrors. It's a trick with mirrors, Tristan. So uh, what are these guys fighting over again? I forgot. Oh, right. They want to fight Alistair Black. Alistair Black, who is never around. Yeah, no, he just doesn't show up anymore because Johnny Gargano was going to fight him and then that didn't happen because Ciampa beat him up. During that time... You would think Aleister Black would have been like, oh, fuck you, Ciampa. Maybe I want to fight you now or something. Like, I don't know. You would think he'd maybe fight a person or say something. But uh, we don't get anything until just last week. When Ciampa beats up Gargano, Eric Young shows up of Sanity. Actually, all of Sanity show up. It's their swan song before they go off to SmackDown Live. And I got to say, I... I kind of liked that match a lot. Yeah, it was a very good match. Eric Young was really fun in it. He's not really a singles competitor in WWE, but he was great. And it ends with something that I usually don't like from Aleister Black, which is just him black massing everybody and winning. But because it was sanity and it was clearly just there to put over Aleister Black, I was like, okay, there are no stakes for these guys. So yeah, fucking... He black masses Killian Dane and Killian Dane goes down like a sack of bricks and you go, oh shit, Alistair Black deserves that fucking title. My problem with it was still the same problem we always used to have where it's just like, well, when's the black mask coming? Yeah. You know, he could just win with other things so that you don't look for the black mask every time because really, after the springboard, the moonsault off the second rope from the little like, I was like, okay, well... Black Mass is coming within the next couple of minutes and then the match is over. So it's like, it's weird when you can call a match and I don't think that's great. 
I love Derek Young during this match. And I think that he knew that this is his last match on NXT and he wanted to make it mean something. And I think he really did. I also just want to say for Aleister Black, he does actually get a little bit of credit in my book because this week, this last week, when he did get on the camera and talk. When he's walking through the parking lot? Yeah, in his vest. I guess that's like his champion suit. He sounded like he had a personality. So I'm excited about seeing that develop. The... Champa Gargano storyline has completely overshadowed the belt. It's overshadowed the whole show. So like Alistair Black literally is just walking through the parking lot. They want a piece of me. Well, you know, they can, I'll take on anybody. I'll take on anybody. Good job, man. Um, I got to go watch this weird Sicilian Terminator guy threaten somebody's wife. Dreams. Yeah. We also got Adam Cole. Adam Cole actually had a title defense. The best part about this title defense was he won it the same way that fucking Homer wins everything in the Stonecutters episode. Another title defense for the Chosen One! I really like that dynamic where he's up against Oni Lorcan. It actually isn't looking too good. He gets thrown out of the ring and... (laughs) I'm laughing just thinking about it. Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly run out from backstage, and Kyle O'Reilly is throwing up the X arms. And they're like, he's hurt! He's hurt! He's hurt! And the ref is like, what are you talking about? And Adam Cole is going, what are you talking about? Like, he's on the ground, but he's like, what's going on? And while the ref's eyes are drawn, Roderick Strong attacks Oni Lorcan, and then starts yelling across the ring, he's okay now. <laughs> he's okay now. <laughs> and Kyle O'Reilly goes, oh yeah, actually he's okay. He's okay. And they throw him in the ring and he fucking, you know, hits a DDT or something and wins. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like that he wasn't in on that con. Yeah, you know? that is fun. And it then led to that fucking amazing six-man tag. I like what it does for Oni Lorcan. Because you had a guy who was literally saying backstage before this match, I got a title defense because Oni Lorcan tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a fucking joke. He even says, stay back, guys. Watch me do my thing. Because uh, there's no way Oni Lorcan's going to win. And then that, that, was, that was really fun. I liked that Oni Lorcan just fought through and was going to win. There's a fucking, fucking heist movie backstage where they're like, how are we going to pull this off? Okay, you're going to throw the X, then I'm going to, I guess, kick him in the face, and then I'll yell, oh, he's okay. (laughs) They'll never know what hit him. (laughs) So fucking stupid. Excited to see more Adam Cole. And I'm excited to see some more Tommaso Ciampa as well. This guy is brutal. He fought Cassius Ono with a blood-filled eye. It was disgusting. That match might be one of the best matches from this period. Yeah, it's definitely. It's up there with the six-man tag. It's like, it's brutal, and it's rough. I love seeing, like, a nasty side of Cassius. He doesn't do the little oh-no thing. He doesn't punch his face. He doesn't do any of the fun shit that he does. He's got a purpose. And that purpose is to teach Champo a lesson because... As we find out in a pre-taped promo before the match, Champa, 
He's he's nothing. He's an idiot. You know what he is? He's a scaramouche. Yeah. Commedia del arte, baby. Well, I think he took one look at that name, Tommaso Ciampa, and said, you know what he's going to appreciate? <laughs> if I call him a scaramouche. <laughs> at one point, Ciampa actually dodges Cassius Ono's weird rear flying elbow and counters it and moro screams like death he's yeah no 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 Chapa proves that he is no scaramouche he is a brutal monster that is horrifying meanwhile on twitter he's a little bit of a scaramouche i gotta say yeah he has yeah. branded himself Tommy Sports Entertainment. Whoa! To counter Johnny Wrestling. Whoa! And he says that he is the best sports entertainer ever to walk into a ring. That is excellent. Let me send you some some links and let me get your live feedback. I wanted you to get a good overview of the amazing work that Champa has been putting in really living the character on Twitter. Oh my god. This is awesome. <laughs> Bringing up that there's that that's an unsanctioned match so it doesn't count as a loss. That's great. <laughs> Basically, it's as if the match never even happened. I'm a person of Tommy Entertainment. Is it real? Nothing happened. Thanking the crowd. They literally did nothing. Ate popcorn. Takes on their phones. <laughs> that's great. Wow. He doesn't actually use an at sign on Twitter so that it links to other people's Twitter pages. He spells out at Johnny Gargano so that you know who he's talking about and you even know their Twitter tag. Ah, but it doesn't actually link. But it doesn't link. I'm not exactly sure when I became the greatest sports entertainer in the game, but I'm 100% certain it happened. <laughs> That's so dopey. As Candice LeRae mentioned recently when she confronted him, we don't really know why he's gone off the deep end so much. Yeah, and I was getting nervous about that. He just definitely has gone off the deep end. Um, yeah. As you mentioned before, Johnny Gargano challenges Aleister Black, and as he's coming out to ostensibly win the NXT championship, considering the push he's on, Ciampa brutalizes him to the point where it ends with them putting him in an ambulance. Candice LeRae is crying in the back of the ambulance. The doors close. The ambulance drives away. And then the camera pans across the parking lot and up to on top of a semi-tractor trailer where Ciampa is standing, crutch over his shoulder, waving goodbye yet again that's his favorite thing to do he also had at the time uh tape on his face to reduce swelling which made him look like the terminator and then when they remove the tape one of his eyes becomes black and red which yet again makes him look like the fucking terminator yeah he said he was scary as shit in this cash's match there was something that was kind of distressing to me a little bit about the Candice LeRae-Champa interaction. I felt like it was really soap opera-ish, 
which was a little bit nerve-wracking for me because I was really expecting him to just say, Candace, I loved you. Why didn't you pick me over Johnny? And I was like, oh my God, that's the worst thing in the universe. Please don't make that happen. And usually in especially WWE wrestling, when you think that's the worst thing. You would think it's going to happen. And thank God it didn't happen. She slapped him. But he was like, I was standing at their wedding and I was like, how could she marry that stupid? And then she slaps him and I'm like, oh God, please don't do what I was going to think you're going to do. And I really hope that they don't do that. Yes, that would be a wild misstep. Kind of don't think that they will. I think that instead, I think Candice is going to fight Ciampa. Well, that's interesting because Ciampa has this to say about that. I can't wait for Candice to beat up Ciampa. Guys, I get it. Women's revolution. Women's empowerment. Use whichever buzzword you like best. At the end of the day, I am Tomasa Ciampa. And Candace, well, she's a girl. Oh, and I look like this. Muscle, skull, muscle. And then a picture of him doing a namaste. Um, it's definitely going to happen. Right? <laughs> I hope so, man. He's just teasing us with it. He's still amazing. I really like that you can still see his little falters. So he'll say, for instance, oh, people think I lost, but I'm the one that broke Johnny's mind, body, and spirit. And somebody in the audience immediately will yell out, you tapped out! And he'll have just this moment where instead of looking big and tough, he looks annoyed. Like he's like, oh, they're ruining my moment again. Yeah, it's like, I did tap out. Ah, fuck. The whole Candace Tommaso Ciampa interaction is fueled by this wild energy from the crowd. Usually people like to chant uh, in unison, and this is people yelling shit. So Candace says, I don't recognize who you've become, Tommaso, and somebody yells out, we don't either! Yeah. But maybe the high point of it is... Candace slaps Ciampa, and two audience members almost immediately have some advice. First, a woman yells out, Hit him one more time, Candace! Yeah. And then a man suggests, Kick him in the nuts! Well, it's unsanctioned, Tristan. She can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that means that it doesn't go into the history books, sadly. It doesn't go into history books. She never did it. As far as she's concerned, it never happened. The weird thing is, is that they've put us in this position where if he had accepted Johnny Gargano's kindness at the end of their unsanctioned match, we would all go, oh yeah, he was going through a rough patch. He felt, he felt bad, but like now he has his friendship back. But he's gone so far over the edge that everybody's just like, what the fuck? Like what? There's no cause to this. Yeah, what's really going on? And he has a tweet. In my mind, one of the more unguarded tweets. He says, One year ago, I wrestled a ladder match with a torn ACL, two torn labrums, and torn ligaments in my ankle. And all you talked about is how, quote, Johnny sacrificed himself by taking a ladder shot to the face for me. Let's have a moment of silence so you can reflect on how dumb you sound. Mm. And I like that because in the past he has talked about how, oh, he was worried that you were going to forget about him while he was injured. 
But this is actual evidence of this is why he might feel like that and still feel like that. Like, this wasn't just a passing insecurity. This was actually a pattern that he recognized of people putting Johnny Gargano on a pedestal and ignoring the pain and suffering he was going through. Which isn't to say that I like the guy now, but I'm I'm waiting for more of this kind of information to come out, you know? And that's probably the best yeah. thing you can expect from a storyline. You want to find out more. And hopefully it's something like that and not I'm in love with Candace. Yeah, because that would fucking suck, man. That would suck so hard. And I was so nervous about that. But now I think they're going to fight. So I kind of hope that that happens instead. The next time we're going to talk is going to be right after TakeOver Chicago. Woo! But I think we got a pretty good idea of what the big storylines are. Yeah, and I think if we break it down on division lines like how we did for the episode, we kind of might have some ideas. So the tag champs right now are Undisputed Era, and my thought is that they're going to ma- they're going to retain because we don't even know who's going to challenge them. I feel like Donnie Blorch is a good challenger right now. Yeah, they're a really good challenger. If they do challenge, I mean, I'd be excited to see them win, and I wouldn't be super surprised, but I kind of feel like Undisputed Era is going to retain. Because I like the idea of them running the division and just being, like, really obnoxious. I feel like all of the other tag teams right now either have better things to do or aren't believable up against Undisputed Era, except for War Raiders, who are too believable up against Undisputed Era. Yeah, I don't think we could see War Raiders versus them yet, because if you see War Raiders versus them, it should be like a squash, and that's not cool for Tego. Yeah, I'm guessing that uh, Heavy Machinery versus TM61 might be one of those... The pre-show matches? Yeah, recorded before TakeOver, shown after TakeOver matches. Yeah. That's a perfect place for them. I mean, if you're at TakeOver, you want to see... You want to see Heavy Machinery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See Otis Dozovich do that weird waddle walk in person. And lick the air. I think the Dream versus Ricochet storyline is going to conclude there. So I don't actually think that either of them is going to challenge Alistair because I think they're going to fight each other at TakeOver. So then Lars winning and putting on a long match with Alistair Black but getting tired and losing kind of makes sense. I'd like to see somebody finally pick up Alistair Black and throw him across the ring. Me too, yeah. That'd be fun. He never, he doesn't seem to take moves. Like, he takes the Death Valley Driver and stuff. Like, he takes, like, moves. But, like, I'd love to see him go flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A released German or something. (laughs) Don't know if Chomp is going to be there. Really? For takeover. He's gone. Unless, unless the Candace fight happens. I'm not sure. That that seems like leaving money on the table, man. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Who's he going to fight? Cassius Ono again? Like, who's he going to fight? Nah, he's, he's not going to Alistair Black? No, probably not. Him versus EC3, the tone is off. You can't have I it. Think, I think that there's enough time for Gargano to come back and have us do something there. I don't know, because I like the idea of Gargano staying injured so that Candice LeRae can you know, recover from this stupid thing she's doing and be herself again. What about the women's division? 
see, that's where I'm getting really nervous because I feel like they may just shoot it off right now and have Dakota Kai versus Shayna Baszler, and I don't want to see Can that. I drop something on you? Dakota Kai versus Shayna Baszler. Dakota Kai gets demolished again. Brooklyn 4, Shayna Baszler versus Nikki Cross. Shayna Baszler wins. Oh. Then, either the takeover before Survivor Series, or if you really want to put your money on Shayna Baszler, all the way up until WrestleMania, that's when Dakota Kai finally goes over. Dakota Kai beats everybody else in the division, finally goes up against Shayna Baszler completely unafraid and just whips her fucking ass. I can see it. If this was any other company, I would say keep the belt on Shayna Baszler for a year and a half and the entire time build that same story that I just told. Maybe you have Dakota Kai and Shayna Baszler fight a couple of times, but every time Dakota Kai just quite isn't quite there. But in her other matches, you know that she can be. You know, by the third or fourth time they fight, she goes, well, yeah, the other four were tough matches, but you know what? I fucking survived them. I can survive anything. She isn't going to take me down this time. Yeah, I can see it. That fucking Nikki Cross Shayna Baszler match, whenever that happens. Oh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be, you know, you fucking thought that last woman standing match with Asuka was crazy. Somebody's going to fucking have some teeth ripped out of their skull with a pair of pliers or something. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting match. But and I think it should come before Dakota Kai versus Shayna Baszler. That's why I'm kind of feeling like takeover, my prediction, my booking would be Kyrie Zane versus Alicia Evans. Yeah, but you gotta have Shayna Baszler defend. The, I feel like the you belt. do, but I feel like she could just come out and choke the loser. I, I feel like if it isn't gonna be Dakota Kai, then Dakota Kai probably is gonna fight Nikki Cross soon, and Nikki Cross is going to become number one. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just, I want to see the Dakota Kai story play out over a long time, and I want her to kind of interact with everybody. And I could see how your idea definitely lets her do that, because it's like in a video game, like the boss fight, you have to lose, you know? Like that. But like, I don't know. I, 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 could, I could do with or without that. They do, they do a mega attack that takes you down to one health, and then you yeah, you pass out and then you wake up in a bed like an old lady is nursing you back to health or something stupid. Giving like you that. soup. It's Nikki Cross. <laughs> She's giving you cheesecake. So, uh, in a month, rather than listening to the episode that we will have just put out, listen to this episode first so that you can feel superior about all the stuff that we got wrong. Yeah, you can be like, listen to these dumb marks. They didn't figure out anything. Nobody knew that fucking Chopper would come out with a machine gun and shoot everyone. I forgot their names. The Everly Brothers? The Ely Brothers. The Ely, oh, God. The Ely Brothers <laughs> beat Undisputed Era. That's incredible. They're the new tag champs. Yeah, and then they beat War Raiders during a run-in. <laughs> this has been What's NXT. Promote our shit. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, One, and two. Google Play. Three. Ding, ding, ding. You can also contact us at whatsnxtpod at gmail.com. Has anyone done that yet? No. So our contest is still open. If you email us 
We will mention you on the show, and you will become a meme. It's that easy. Some people think they have to make interesting, creative content. Nope. You just have to email us. Uh, my other podcast is Under the Tokyo Tower. It's a Sailor Moon rewatch podcast. I'm working on season two right now. If you haven't watched any Sailor Moon, you can go back and check out our entire first season review. Uh, in the interim, we're doing these little like movie reviews and stuff that we're okay. Doing this isn't podcast. a what is Alec What's doing going on podcast? Live podcast, yeah. So you guys can check that shit out, is what I'm saying. Under the Tokyo Tower. We'll be back to you in one month to talk about TakeOver Chicago and what's next. What's NXT?